Welcome to the Enjoyably Futile Podcast, the sister show to the University Challenge Claxon Game over on Twitter. Cue the theme tune. Welcome to another episode of the Enjoyably Futile Podcast. This is episode 20 of this series. I can't believe we've done 20 episodes of the podcast already, but here we are. I'm joined today by my guest, Rowena Stewart, who is at Golden Fennec over on Twitter. Um, if you don't already follow her, please do. She's a regular player of the Klaxon, um, and we'll hear from a little bit more from her later on. Um, today's episode is going to cover episodes 27 and 28 of the University Challenge. And then we'll have a proper interview with my guest later on. In terms of the University Challenge Clacks again, we have had loads of winners over the last couple of weeks. Um, in episode 27, we had Haley underscore Owl, who has won every single game she's ever played. We had Mr. Mergs Maths, Mr. Price Science, Sarah Farrell KS2, who also won her very first ever game. Uh, so well done there. We had Mr. Underscore B Underscore W. We also had Kent Womble, who was a regular, who won last series as well. I myself won, finally. Um, we also had RL Rossi 64, Teach Us Mr. Black, who won last series as well, and Sarah Parriette. So well done, everybody there. And then in episode 28, we had even more winners. We had Mr. Price Science again for a second week in the row. Uh, Helen Woodley, uh, Navy Six, uh, Miss V Cook back in the winner's enclosure. So well done there. We had Miss S Doherty, who also puts in uh, Mr. Almond, Mr. Neil Almond on Twitter. They have a joint entry. We also had Family Buckstack, uh, Haley underscore Owl again, Scarlet Angel 77, Julianne Regan 5, underscore CC Roberts, Lucas D1 Nye. I, suppose, I think it's supposed to be Lucas Dinia, but there's a one in there. And we also had DH Primary, Mrs. D, and I have to apologize to her because I actually missed her off of the original tweet for the winners, uh, but she messaged me separately to say that she'd won, so well done there. The two episodes that have just gone is episode 28, uh, 20, uh, 27 and 28. So episode 27 was between Strathclyde and Durham. Uh, the Strathclyde captain is Whittle and the Durham captain is Parkinson. Um, I'm not sure what you thought about this game, actually. It was a um, not a massively high-scoring game. I, the Durham team won with 155 points to Strathclyde's 115. Um, so it's not a, not a groundbreaking game, but it, uh, I suppose for, for this particular... Because we're into the quarterfinals, the... The the questions do get considerably more difficult. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't know how you how you find. I mean, I don't 
they're all difficult <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, to be fair, they are they are all difficult. Um but do you do you find that um when you play along with the earlier episodes, for example, you might get more questions right than later on? Or or are they, yeah. is it just is it just all really hard? <laughs> no, I think I've the first few episodes I got more correct, but this episode in particular, it was I feel like it was quite heavy on the classics. Yeah, like... I yeah, I it was definitely one of those ones that um because there was early on this series there's one there was one episode in particular where there seemed to be lots and lots of questions specifically about um classical composers for example and almost like every other question came up i I would agree i think in that particular episode episode 27 there was lots and lots of classics in there but they were quite specific and quite um yeah quite you would have to know your classics to get that i think wouldn't you um I can't remember what the outcome because I, I talked about this with um Ben who runs the university the fantasy university challenge. Oh yeah. Um I talked with him last week um about the the system cuz I don't know whether you've looked at how the 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 qualification system works for the quarterfinals. It is absolutely bonkers. It's 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 not it's not a straightforward um knockout competition. It's not one of those ones where yeah. uh, you, you you win a, a game and carry on. You could potentially lose a game in the quarterfinals and then have to play another couple of games and win and then go on to win the whole series. So I'm not sure. I'd have to look at exactly where people are because I've kind of lost track myself over the past couple of weeks. Um kind of who's won what and how many they've won and things like that so some some people will only have to play two games in the quarterfinals whereas some people will end up having to play three i believe it is because if they lose one of their games they have to play another game to win it so if they win if they lose their first one for example they have to win the next two to go through yeah whereas if they win one and then lose one i think they go into another pool and they have to win that game instead to go through it's 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 massively confusing (laughs) I mean, well, um, I saw, you know, I think it's University Challenge Review. They made a blog, they yeah. have a blog, yeah. and they did a nice diagram on there that shows how it works. So it's, once you see that, it looks quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but, I think but, it's... Go on. Um, I think it's the, each each person who's won one, a game, then goes and plays someone else who has won a game. And then the four teams, two teams, I can't remember. Yeah, the four teams who have lost a game then go play each other. Right. That kind of that kind of makes sense. And then the do they just what what happens then with the the teams who have won their first game? Do they go I'm very confused. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to Go on. How about just don't try to understand? It? <laughs> yeah, just leave. Whoever leave it. comes up, just yeah. leave it to the producers. Do you know what? That's I think that's what yeah. a few people actually say. They don't know because I'm sure in the in the past they would probably tell you what your share. If you're on the, if you're on the show itself, they would probably tell you what your um when your show is going to be on. You know, yeah. so so you know, so you can tell your family and things like that that you're going to be on TV. But I think this series, I think because it's been so affected by the the pandemic that no one really knows what's going on. I think <laughs> they're just putting programs on and hoping for the best. Um, 
So yeah, that was um, that was episode twenty-seven. It wasn't one of those massive games. But then episode twenty-eight was a surprising one for me. Um, again, people who listen to the podcast and kind of listen to what I've kind of said in the past, um, I will probably understand that I was quite surprised by the outcome of of episode twenty-eight. So it was between Imperial and Warwick, and the Imperial captain is Con, uh, and the Warwick ca- captain is Route root route i think it's route um and con has been one of the strongest players pretty much for the entire series um i i picked him as my captain for the for the university for the fantasy university challenge but actually warwick won that episode with 200 points to imperials 120 so that was a much better game it was a much stronger game um and i think any team that breaks the the 200 mark is pretty much going to win their game I don't think there's been any episodes that stand out this series where there's been two teams, you know, there's not been people who've got 200 and 195, for example. You know, the team that ends up with 200 tends to be the team that that goes on. Although saying that, I I was surprised that um, it was not the Open University, who was the other one that I thought was going to do really well and got beaten the other day. Um, I can't remember. Oh, hang on. Two seconds. Was it, was it the team? Yeah. Oh, hang on. I think... Was it the team who was playing open? It was, yes, it was Birkbeck. That's the one. Um, I believe it was Birkbeck anyway. And in their first match, in their first round match, I think they got 295, something like ridiculous. They got a really, really good score. Yeah. Um, but then they were beaten. Um, so I think it, it just goes to show. There we go. So in their first match, Birkbeck got two hundred and ninety-five. They got a really, really top score, and that was the one where Reading only scored fifty. They were absolutely battered. Um, yeah. But in their last game, let's see if I can find it. Birkbeck. Uh, in in their second round match, Birkbeck put on two hundred and five. Um. So. Yeah, they're doing all right. Ah, uh, yeah, the Bir- Birkbeck versus the Open University. Birkbeck got 205 and the Open got 95. So Birkbeck are doing all right, but I was surprised to see Imperial um, not be a lot stronger. But I did, I do remember, because like I said, I, I find it hard to pay attention to exactly what's going on and who's saying what. But I seem to remember the Imperial team did a lot of, uh, they lost a lot of points. I think they buzzed in incorrectly on several occasions where they thought they were going to be correct. Whereas in the past, their early buzzing had been quite accurate. Um, I don't know if you... Yeah. I vaguely remember in the first episode, Cone would buzz in early quite often. And it was a bit hit and miss. But but he was he was more often correct. He, he, correct. he scored a yeah. lot of points with early buzzes, which is why... He kind of stood out, but in in episode twenty eight, um, I think the other players. Oh, I, I remember Con. He did buzz in a couple of times incorrectly, which is um, unusual for him. But I suppose it, it could just be the fact that it's the quarterfinals. It's it's a much more high pressured situation. I don't know, um, but yeah, I was surprised by that one. But I don't think. Go on. Um, I don't know, like. I was surprised, but I also kind of wasn't because after that episode where Webb was put into captain and they didn't do very well, 
it kind of put me in a place where I figured that, you know, sometimes the contestants have good days and bad days. So I started backing the underdogs after that. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I think it's it's one of those programs where it's it's almost impossible to tell who's going to do what. And again, anyone who listened to the particularly yeah. the earlier episodes of the podcast, I was almost adamant that either Birkbeck or the Open University were going to go a long way. And then the Open University only scored 95 points against Birkbeck. So, yeah, I think even if it's just a single off day or um, as um, Rory McDowell, the captain of the Glasgow team, said, um, it might just be that the questions just don't fall in your favour. You know, it could just be, you know, you just happen to, particularly with um, like the, the, the music questions, um that it's all well and good revising your classical music and things like that uh, hoping it's going to come up but there have been so many occasions where they've put in um popular music and like we talked about before the 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 range of genres is so broad that i think it's just pure luck if you happen to have heard a song before and happen to know exactly who it is for example when they say you know name the artist if it's if it's a very um, specific genre of um, I don't know drum and bass that they played. If you've never listened to drum and bass music, you're never ever going to be able to answer that question. Um, I remember a, yeah. I, I remember a music question from I think it was last series. It might have been the year before, and it was possibly the most niche question I've ever heard in my life on University Challenge. And it was um, it was a music round, and it was music from video games. And oh, they, yeah. they they played they played music and you had to you had to name the video game. Now, unless you are someone who has spent quite a lot of time, I don't know, growing up playing particular types of games. To be honest, I feel like university students are the perfect audience for that. That's true, I suppose. <laughs> but again, I, I have a um, I have a feeling Rory's into video games. It, it, you got a couple of questions on that, correct? It it wouldn't surprise me. Think, it wouldn't surprise me. I think me. his questions was cities featured in video uh, video games. Oh, okay, like they were set in um, certain cities. Yeah, and it was named the city from the description of what happens in the game. Okay, I do you know what. I've gone through so many questions. I I don't even remember that. I'm gonna to have to look back through his episodes now and see what I can find. Um, but yeah, it's it, some of the questions are incredibly niche. You sometimes wonder if the the question setters were having a a, a funny day. I'm not saying that. There's um, I'm not sure if you've watched um, there's a there's a program on. Um, it's been around for a few years, I think, but I've I've only recently picked up on it. It's called um, it's called Richard Osman's House of Games. Have you come across that? Oh yeah. Um, yep, I watched that, and I I love that program because it's 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 a bit like Only Connect. You've got to you've got to kind of think outside the box a little bit to answer the questions. But one of my favorite rounds they do is where the they ask the children of the question setters to oh. ask a question. Yeah, I and love I, those and ones. I think it's brilliant because some sometimes the answers are absolutely spot on, and sometimes they they're just so bizarre that. <laughs> You just, you don't know what they're thinking, you know? Well, half the time you don't know what a three-year-old's thinking anyway, because, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah. you know, the, I think University Challenge in particular is very, very much about 
the luck of the draw and just being I did want to commend Brout on two things though. Um one was his powers of deduction, I guess, inference. Yeah. There was the question on journey to the west, but it was what is this term? Um some it was something to do with Buddhism. And he said, Well, this is they talk about this in Journey to the West and yeah. that that's about Buddhism, so I'm gonna assume Buddhism. And the next question was in Journey to the West, what's the name of the main character? And he said, Well, it's about a monkey, so I guess um the alternative title is monkey. <laughs> Turns out it's correct. And I think, yeah, that's a good skill to have. And I think it's what the eggheads actually do. Because I've I've seen a couple of episodes of that. Yeah. So it's yeah, the, the, being able to like guess from what you already know. Yeah, but being being able to guess in a sensible way, not just plucking random things out of the sky. It's it's being able to make those connections between things that you know. I think you're right. The eggheads do that very very well. They 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 talk yeah. through their answers very sensibly, and they say right, well, if it's this, then it's probably to do with. Or if it's a word question in particular, they'll they'll kind of analyze the word and break it apart and say well this part of the word means this so it's probably going to be this and so although it's still a little bit of a stab in the dark for them they know they're in the right direction definitely i would agree with that um and yeah that's i think good captains on university challenge do that well and they listen to they listen to their team um they listen to what their team is saying and kind of kind of take out what seems more probable i suppose and then kind of make their deductions in that in that respect so yeah so speaking I, of good captaincy go sorry no go for it <laughs> um i also wanted to commend parkinson yes. from episode 27 and previous episodes on the way she kind of pulls the team together or she'll kind of talk over the questions as well and make sure everyone has yeah. a bit of a say um yeah i, I think the the captain doesn't necessarily have to be the most knowledgeable, but it's identifying skill sets in your team and yeah. going to them for um, basically when. But, the yeah, and, 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 and I, wonder, I wonder if that's where um, I wonder if that's where Webb maybe fell down when when he ha he ended up having to be the captain for his his team, but they because they ended up getting beaten, didn't they? Um, yes. And I think that's the kind of it's it's been an interesting series actually in that respect because um, I don't think I've ever seen teams bring in a uh, a substitute player before, but I think because of the pandemic and the nature of people not being able to get to places, there's been a lot of shifting round of players. Um, I think you're right. If you haven't got someone in that captain's chair to to make those decisions and pull that information together from your team um then it's not going to work out so I, I i wonder if maybe that's where con fell down in episode 28 is that he probably wanted to answer more himself rather than taking his team so although he's a very very bright he's obviously a very bright intelligent person i wonder if he kind of uh lost that game by trying to take too much on himself does that make sense it makes sense but I kind of disagree. Maybe not necessarily that's what happened, but it could just be that the questions didn't fall their way. Yeah, I think it does all come down to the questions. Ultimately, I think if if, yeah. if the questions don't go your way, it's not going to be your day. Right. Let's hear a little bit more about my guest.
We'll start with an easy one. What is your name and where do you come from? My name is Rowena and I am from Sydney, Australia. Nice. Um, you're probably the furthest away uh, in terms of people who play the University Challenge Claxon. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Uh, what do you do for a living? I, this is probably a new one. I'm a software developer. Okay, so nice. I write uh, computer programs. Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of cottoned on to the fact that you you did a lot of that because you you coded the uh the theme tune a little while back i remember i'm and i'm gonna i'll put that one in to this episode actually and that was was it with, i thought you might was it with um uh, pi uh was it pi Sonic Pie. Sonic Pie, that's the one. Um, and for the people listening who don't know what that is, it's actually a really clever bit of uh, clever bit of uh, coding software that you can use to create to, to create music, basically. And it can be as complicated or as simple yeah. as you like, isn't it? Yeah. So it was originally designed or created by someone called Sam Aaron um, okay. as his Cambridge PhD. It was a project to. Um, get kids interested into coding through music. So he was already using something else called Overtone, but okay. it's quite complex. Right. And he wanted to create something that a 10-year-old could understand. And Sonic Pie is the result. Yeah, it's 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 a really nice I we I I've come across it before because um but not with my class because I teach um year four, which is eight and nine year olds. Um, but I know, oh, yeah. perfect age range. Yeah, I I know the 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 teacher in the next year up from me has used sort or kind of delved into Sonic Pi a little bit, um, because it, there's been quite a lot of developments in educational coding, um, in the past, only in the past few years, really, past kind of five five years or so. There's there's been this this massive surge in um yep. educational coding things because it's it's really important. It's 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 very much a uh, a, a job that's at the forefront of what a lot of young people are going to be doing. So it's important for them to to learn those skills. So, yeah, um, if you get a, an opportunity, people who are listening, um, to have a look at Sonic Pi because I think it's free as well, isn't it, to use? Yep, yeah. completely free. Which is brilliant. I love I love free stuff. Free stuff's great. <laughs> um, so which uh, which university are you alumni of? I am an alumna of the University of Sydney. Okay, um, it's the oldest in australia and yeah it's the probably the biggest one in sydney nice um what what did you study what was your your focus um i did a degree in computer science okay but um i also have an interest in linguistics and we had free electives so i did a couple of subjects in there that area as well yeah that's quite i quite like it when they do free elective stuff where you you get to kind of broaden your um your degree because i i when i did my music degree um we had to choose a couple of, of additional things so i i actually did um a little bit of italian to to supplement my my music degree so i, I quite like that it's nice that you don't constantly focus on the one thing you yeah. you get to broaden what you're doing so um i'm gonna go back to to where you're from because I've, I've been trying to work out for ages because because obviously organizing this this interview um obviously I, i'm i'm trying to work out what time it is where you are so what time is it right now for you it is five past ten. So we are in GMT plus eleven. Right. Okay. So it's five past ten for you, and it's uh, eleven a.m. for me. So it's a uh, the the international time zones are not against us, but it, it, trying to organise anything. I a very good friend of mine uh, moved out to New Zealand uh, last year, so trying to organise. Uh, yeah. Trying trying to organise um, times to 
um to, to talk is really difficult we, we often end up talking with one of us in our pajamas and the other person getting ready to go out it's uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a bit like that so yeah um so obviously you're in australia so how how on earth did you kind of come to play the university challenge clacks and how how was that a, a thing is is university challenge something that the you watch over in australia how 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 has that kind of come about i knew this would be a question <laughs> so i prepared an answer um short answer is youtube recommendations right okay long answer is we get qi over here um but quite a bit later so we've we're only just started um airing series r and there was that there was an episode a couple of years ago with um only connect in it right okay they had victoria corin as a guest and then they did choose an egyptian hieroglyph so then from there i started watching only connect and then after a couple of episodes, um, this thing called University Challenge started appearing in my recommendations. And I thought, oh, it's another quiz show. I like British quiz shows, so click on that. And then, yeah, I've been watching it since then. Brilliant. Through I, YouTube. I, 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 do you know what? There, there's a whole swathe of things you can watch on YouTube. There, there, there's piles and piles of... Um, yep old like proper archive episodes as well from like the 1980s and things like that that you can watch it's um it's it's fascinating to watch actually and see how it's changed um yeah because on, on, on a monday evening we have um basically we have a couple of hours of quiz shows on so we start off with yep. uh, we start off with mastermind i'm not sure if you've come across mastermind before yeah yeah i've been watching that as well (laughs) so yeah we start off with mastermind and then it goes straight into only connect and then straight into university challenge so we literally have like an hour and a half or two hours worth of of quizzing which is quite nice actually it makes a monday evening um more 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 bearable because monday's not the best of best of days but obviously for, for you you obviously don't get to watch it um live which i think is fantastic that you're not not fantastic that you can't watch it live but that you you put in your your entries to the klaxon really early so i always have to yeah. i because <laughs> obviously you're like you're seven or eight hours ahead of everybody else when you're playing so i uh, i always have to make sure that i go back and find them um but it must be quite confusing for you to kind of wake up in the morning and see <laughs> what on earth has been going on Especially if you don't get the. Well, it's actually, it's actually not that much of a difference. I think it is at eight thirty for you. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So that's seven thirty in the morning for me. So um, the YouTube version actually comes up quite soon after. Oh, okay. So it's it's about a half an hour delay for me between like I'll read everyone's um, comments <laughs> and then. The YouTube show will be up. So. Okay. Is it is the YouTube um show put on by the BBC or is it a, is it a third party person who has uploaded an episode? It's a very kind individual who has dedicated their time to uploading the episodes. Oh, good. Nice one. Um, so obviously we are hit to chatting today because we play the university challenge clacks and um and for anyone who is listening who still even though we're on episode 20 of the podcast and we've been playing the game for the best part of two years anyone who hasn't come across it the idea is that you have to try and guess three or four answers that's going to come up in that particular episode of university challenge so do you have a strategy when you're coming up with your choices is is, is there anything you think of or do you take inspiration from any, from anywhere or is it just pure random guesses well 
I've been submitting the same answers every week <laughs> until they win and then I'll swap them out, but I haven't won yet. So it's still the same answers still every the week. the same answers every week. You're, you're not the only person that does that. Lots of people have, have played that strategy. Um, so when, when, you, when you first chose those, was, was there any thinking behind it or is it just pure yeah, random things? Um, so actually when I first started playing the Klaxon, I would come across things like either in conversation or when I was doing random Googling that I thought, oh, maybe this would be something that would come up. So I'd take inspiration from um, just events that had happened in the week. Yeah. But also I found that um, the questions that appear on the show sometimes come in pairs. Right, and yeah. they won't necessarily be in the same episode. Like, I remember one week um, they had vector dot product as an answer, and I thought, oh, they're going to have cross product in the same episode somewhere. But um, sorry, that's university first year maths <laughs> that I had to learn. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, there's a dot product and a cross product, and one came up in one episode and I thought it would happen in the next episode. So I, I think I thought of putting it in as an answer, but I didn't. And then it came up. And then it came up. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a clever way of looking at it. Actually kind of watching one episode carefully and then thinking about what might come up in the next, yeah. I suppose it's getting into the mindset of the question setter, isn't it? And, um, yeah. and, from I, I didn't realize until I started doing this podcast that they actually film lots and lots of episodes all in one go. So I think you're yep. um, I think you're close on the money there. It's probably worth paying attention to a lot of the answers because potentially the question setters have written a whole bank of, say, math questions or chemistry questions or whatever, and then they just split them up between the episodes, perhaps. That might be their thinking. So yeah. That's a that's a good way of looking at it. I might I might watch back <laughs> the last episode that's just gone and uh see if i can maybe work out i wonder if that's why they've ended up with so many popular music questions because whoever was setting the questions just decided to go down that route i don't know it's curious i think people are probably complaining that it's too old-fashioned they need to kind of freshen it up a little bit as well yeah i i, I would agree with that there's i think this this series in particular has been very very strong with with well they say popular music but I would probably class it as non-classical music rather than popular yeah. music. I think the the reference of pop when they're playing nineteen fifties jazz music is not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> is not yeah. necessarily the right. I mean, it might have been popular at the time, but uh, I think it's a you know. I've often thought about what would be an alternative for non-classical, like. I, uh, popular I th- just sounds nice. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's easier to say popular music. Um, I think if they yeah. went through, if if they used every single uh, sub-genre and category for whatever music it is they were playing, I think people would just get very, very confused. So it's probably easier just to say, you're going to hear a piece of classical music or you're going to hear a piece of popular music and, and be done with it, I think. Um, and, it, and also yeah. it might be to do with, um, I don't know, um, fairness across the programs so making sure that everyone has the same terminology for example rather than making things harder or more or more simple depending on who's playing i don't know it's, it's a possibility um so yeah um the name of the whole podcast is enjoyably futile 
And this came from um, a tweet that was sent uh, a couple of years ago, 18 months or two years ago now, where someone, as as people do every single week, people stumble upon the thread on Twitter and are like, what on earth is going on here? What is this randomness? And people always ask questions. And and usually what they're doing is they're they're replying to somebody else. They're They're not usually asking me what's going on. They're asking somebody that they follow who's joined in what's going on. And they always say, you know, what is what is this? And and um, someone said, oh, you should join in. It's enjoyably futile because it's a, it's a fun game to play, but it is a very very difficult game to win. Um, so the whole point of this podcast is talking about things which are enjoyably futile. So is there anything in the world that you can think of which is enjoyably futile? I would say possibly most forms of cleaning up (laughs) like (laughs) weeding a garden or like raking leaves on a rainy day yeah on a windy day sorry that's that's that that Um, is actually a perfect answer that is because it's it's like a never-ending uh it's a never-ending thing isn't it cleaning you 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 know you 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 go around once and then all of a sudden you've got to go around again but but i do you know what i i quite enjoy cleaning as well i it's it's quite um it's quite almost therapeutic, isn't it? Having a, yeah. a good old a good old clean and a good old like you say, sorting out the garden, for example, when 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 you've had a period of bad weather. You know, at, at the moment, I keep going out into my garden. The weather in the UK here is a, is terrible at the minute. It's really, it's just cold and damp and miserable. So trying to clean anything up, you're right, is is impossible because you clean up one bit and all of a sudden some other bit in another corner of the garden gets dirty and you're just going around in circles. I'll take that. I like that. It's really good. <laughs> um i i i when people come on the podcast i do like to give them the opportunity to um share something that they're involved with or promote something um so is is there anything that you are involved with a is there a project or a website or do you have a blog or anything like that that you would like to promote to anyone listening um yes so you touched on earlier about education and technology and coding um I volunteer with a few organizations doing that, and um, I wanted to show off something. Um, let me just grab the one that's not plugged in and flashing with lights. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there's this thing, which your listeners can't see. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, a BBC micro bit. I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was made to help with the year seven curriculum i think right okay uh, but they're very fun they're very easy to use and they've just come out with a new version right okay that i have um so it, it came out just before christmas and it has a speaker on it have they are oh, nice one so can you can you now um code it to to play music and i can but it also comes with something straight out of the box. Right. So, that's, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to press the reset button just so you can see what happens at the start. But my camera's not dealing with the That's right. I can, I can, I can see an well. arm. <laughs> then so, it scrolls hello across the it spells screen. hello yeah so so for people who are obviously who can't see this nice for people who who can't see it the the um if you 
have any experience of the 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 first BBC uh, microbit. They um they've got a little LED display on them. So the, this new upgraded version, um, those sounds people could hear were went along with some really quite um I, I don't want to say complex graphics, but quite impressive graphics for a for a little you know dot matrix display. You know, it's it's considering how simple the display is, they they've managed to pack a pile of um features into that which is really nice i like that a lot so do you do you um do you spend time then uh teaching uh younger people how to use the the, the micro bit at all or is that is that part of what you uh you work on um so uh yeah i work with a couple of organizations um one is pretty much based in australia but the other one is co-club right so that originally started in the uk okay um, they've got some materials there, but also they're quite versatile. Um, they've got accelerometers in them, so you can turn them into a pedometer for PE. Um, you can also put some sensors on them. There's a school that's got it. Um, I think they're in the UK as well. They've got a school garden. Right, so okay. it, um, they've attached a soil moisture sensor onto it, and it um, monitors their garden. That's really clever. Just just from that one little credit card sized little thing, it's it's actually smaller. Yeah. It's smaller than a credit card. It's 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 very very small. It, it's about half yeah. half the size. So yeah, um, if anyone hasn't heard or seen one before, your school might have one. And I know a fair portion of your listeners are educators. Yeah. Um, I'd encourage you to. See if your school has one or look at the online emulator on, I think it's makecode.microbit.org and see if you can incorporate it into your curriculum nice. in some I, way. I, I do know, because um, um, I, I, I teach in Wales and um, our, so a lot of the, the councils are broken up into what they, they call um, consortia. Um, so basically a lot of the councils kind of group together to, to pool some resources. And I know that our our local consortium um, actually has a set of microbits that you can borrow from. So you can basically borrow an entire class set of, uh, of microbits. And I know, I, again, talking of our, our slightly older students, our kind of uh, 9, 10, 11 year olds really enjoy kind of investigating them and experimenting with them. So yeah, anyone listening, if you haven't had a chance to, to um, have a go working with, and also playing with, they're quite fun to play with, actually. They're quite a lot of fun yeah. to kind of work with, um, with a, a microbit a bbc microbit then please do they're actually they were actually made by B the bbc weren't they that's why they called a bbc yeah. microbit it's a bit like the the very old um bbc um computers micro. yeah yeah there's there's the bbc micro but that was the original one and then the bbc came out with this and then they called it bbc microbit as a nod to the original bbc micro because yeah. i i i learned i learned how to code um i i say code it's, it was it was originally programming really on the on the bbc yeah. when and, and you're talking back in 1993 93 94 roughly so coming up to <laughs> 20 years ago pretty much or more longer than that 25 years ago um so yeah um yeah absolutely i i would definitely recommend people have a go on a, on a bbc microbit and like you say there's a there's an online um there's an online emulator, so if, even if you haven't got access to the physical device, you can still learn how to code it, can't you? Um, and see yep. the operations that work there. Brilliant. That's a really nice one. I like that a lot. Um, 
so yeah, um, something that I sometimes forget, <laughs> but I, I managed to remember for you, is I give my guests the opportunity to, to name this particular episode of the um, of the podcast. So you've gone with Honey and High Tea and Whiskey as the title of this episode, and I'm pr- pretty sure I can guess <laughs> where that's coming from, but could you explain why you've gone with uh, that particular <laughs> title? Well... I originally wanted to call it sugar and tea and rum as yeah. a nod to the Wellerman because yeah. it's a sea shanty based on the Wellerman, um, was it whaling company yeah. that was operated in Australia slash New Zealand. But then I thought that sounded a bit too um, common for <laughs> something, university challenge. So I decided to... Improve it a bit. Spru- spru- spruce it up a little bit. Give it a bit. Give it, give it a bit more class. Is it? <laughs> yeah, basically. Nice. And I'm. I've. I'm. One. One of the questions I, I've written for the uh, for the impossibly difficult question game uh, is actually uh, to do with the Wellerman, but I'll, we'll get to that in a little second. Um, oh. Funny enough, I, I. It popped up the 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 origin of that song. Like you said, it was to do with it was a whaling song wasn't it? Um, and like you said, yep. operating out of Australia and New Zealand. But I think the, the Wellerman was, was, was that the person that um, supplied the ships? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on the history of the, of the Wellerman exactly. I didn't look it up that much <laughs> on, either, let's, but let's, it's the name of the company. Yeah. Okay. There we are. Let's, let's do some super quick Googling, shall we? Here we go. Super quick Googling. Sure. Hang on. What is a Wellerman? Here we go. In the song, the crew are singing about looking forward to the arrival of a Wellerman, a supply... Ah, so the, the Wellerman itself was a supply ship sent by the Weller Brothers uh, based in Otaku in New Zealand. The Weller Brothers' fleet ferried supplies and luxuries to whaling ships which were out of port. There we are. Right, what we'll do, we will get on to the most important part and um, everybody who comes on the podcast as a guest has the opportunity to play the impossibly difficult question game. Okay, so the rules are very, very simple. You're going to get 60, que- 60 questions. I say that every single time. You're going to get 60 seconds. <laughs> 60 questions would take us forever um, to answer as many impossibly difficult questions as you can. However, I might be a little bit lenient with the time, obviously, because we've got a slight delay because of how far apart we are. I might be a little bit nicer and give you a bit more time. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea is you're going to get 60 seconds to answer as many impossibly difficult questions as you can. Um, you're not allowed to pass. You have to give me some sort of answer, okay? Um, the current standings are we have one person who has scored one point um, at the top, and everybody else is in joint second place with zero points, okay? So, do you understand the rules? Yes. Are you happy to have a go at the game? Yes, yes. I am. Right, here we go. So, your 60 seconds starts... Your, your rough 60 seconds starts now. Here we go. So question one. As of the 5th of February, how many plays did the Wellerman Sea Shanty by Nathan Evans have on Spotify? Uh, Ten million? <laughs> that's, that's and, and, you know, quite a positive guess, but it's not. It's only 3,217,899. Uh, question number two. Which university would you find at the coordinates 53.4048 degrees north and 2.9653 degrees west? 
I have no idea, so I'm just gonna say Durham. I, do you know what? You're in the roughly the right ballpark. It's actually the University of Liverpool, so you know, a, a hundred miles or so apart. But that was a good effort. Uh, question number three: um, As the crow flies, how far is it from Aberdeen to Angus? I don't know where Angus is. Mm. Are they really close? Or are they kind of far? I'm not telling you. I'm gonna. I know. I'm talking to myself. I'm gonna say maybe 50. Oh, that's actually not a bad shout at all. They are 39.4 miles apart. Um, I'll ask you one more question. Our minutes up, but I'll ask you one more question. Uh, in the 1994 first round of University Challenge, the University of Aberdeen beat the University of Birmingham by how many points? Ooh. 25. Oh. That's a good effort. It's not quite. It's 35 points. <laughs> oh. So after your minute and a bit, uh, you have scored a grand total of zero points. Congratulations. You are in joint second place with pretty much everyone else. So it's a good going. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I have actually run out of questions for you. So I will say thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to um, also tell me what time to, <laughs> to, to run the interview, because obviously we are several thousand miles away. But yeah, thank you very much for taking part. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you once again to my guest, Rowena Stewart, at Golden Fennec over on Twitter. If you do not already follow her, please do. Um, she's a regular player of the Claxon and a big supporter of the game, so thank you very much to her once again for taking part. This is the end of the podcast, just about. It just leaves me with the one opportunity to talk about my guesses for the next program. I'm going to stick with Shostakovich as my first guess. I always go with... I'm sticking with Shostakovich now, like a lot of people. Um, I'm going to stick that out until he shows up. For my other guesses, I'm going to keep them really topical this week, actually. I'm going to go... My second guess is going to be sugar. My third guess is going to be tea. And my bonus is going to be rum. I just want to take this final opportunity to say thank you very much to everybody for tuning in. Uh, a massive thank you to everybody who has supported the game through buying coffees and things like that. That has been really, really helpful in terms of being able to pay for prize badges and postage. Although postage has been a bit of a pain since January. Um, some people have had their badges and some people haven't. So I'm doing my best to get the kind of leftovers sent out. Um, so thank you very much for tuning in and playing the game. If you would like to be a guest yourself and have a go at the Impossibly Difficult Question game, then please just send me a message over on Twitter, at Andy Keegan or at EnjoyableFutile. Or if you'd like to sponsor an episode or plug something, then you can email me using the email address EnjoyableFutile at gmail.com. Thank you once again for tuning in. Take care and I will see you soon. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Enjoyably Futile podcast written and hosted by Andrew Keegan with a theme tune by Benjamin Dolan.